0: This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Barely Tim. Barely, barely Tim. Barely Tim. It's Barely you know, Tim. That's just, you know, it's like
1: I can just barely see it, Tim. I you, Tim. can just know, barely see it. Fading away. Is this so Tim without Tim. the goatee? Like like <laughs> the Mirror Universe Tim, perhaps? That
0: is he, Mirror Universe Tim. I, uh, I'm really going to miss the guy that won the first Survivor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Richard Axe. <laughs> that
0: was so bad.
1: You know...
2: He was out there doing Battlestar Galactica before Battlestar Galactica was cool. You know, know, our our, our commander Apollo has passed away. I had no idea, Paul, that he was 71 years old.
1: I did. I mean, I I, I thought he was, uh, I mean. Apollo, wasn't he Starbuck? No, he was Apollo. He was was Apollo. Ah, okay. Starbuck was uh, Dirk Benedict. Yes, sir. Dirk Benedict is still around, right? Correct. Wow, this is Good. a heartless conversation. That's face, man.
3: <laughs> Can you tell I'm not a fan of the original? Well, Dirt, know, Richard Battle,
1: Hatch was Galactica. also in the, uh, the, the new Battlestar Galactica. That's, yeah, right. That's right. He was awesome in there. So I met Richard Hatch. He, he, was, a, he was a terrorist. Yes. I'm yeah. Glad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you I met? Well, you knew I met, 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 met Richard Hatch. Yeah, Paul met Richard Hatch
3: at a at a local science fiction convention, right, Paul? Is, yeah, yeah, as crazy as everyone I've talked to that's met him, because I've heard <laughs> he was pretty insane.
1: Well, you know, so when I met Richard Hatch, it was at a science fiction convention that – so the science fiction convention, I don't even remember the name of it. Um, I think it was like Fantasci Convention, um, had moved from its usual location at the library – and had expanded into the convention center. Um, and I guess they thought that just by expanding and having Richard Hatch, they would have brought in the crowds. But it didn't. Um, it, was, it was actually pretty dead. So um, I walked up to Richard Hatch's table because this is when he was on the new Battlestar Galactica. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica. I, I understand it has its merits and and, and all that, but I, I was never really a fan. Um, but, you know, fan of his on the new Battlestar Galactica. And, uh, you know, I, I got to chatting with him and, like, he pulled up a chair for me and, like, because there was no one there. So, like, I spent 45 minutes talking to Richard Hatch, um, like, basically manning the table with him. I think he just needed the free help. Um, and, and then he gave me a copy, like, and then he gave me a copy of his, uh, role-playing game book because no one was coming by. So he right. gave me a copy of his role-playing game book that, that I promptly gave to Aaron.
2: Well, and you had it autographed for me.
1: I did. I did. Um, so, I mean, it was a cool experience. I, you know, he, he, I did not get the impression he was crazy. Um, you know, he was a little Hollywood, you know, a little, uh, you know, he he definitely was a little big for his britches, you know, in my opinion uh, of the guy. And I don't mean to speak ill of, of someone who recently passed away because I did enjoy my time conversing with him and, and chatting with him. I, I, I genuinely that, – that, that's a good memory because um, I – you know, it, it's a lot better than my experience with Stephen Amell who wouldn't touch me. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm sure that – yeah, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you know, so
2: those uh, uh, poorly attended conventions are sometimes the best way to get to talk to some of the celebrities and creators and whatnot. Because I went to a uh, a convention years and years ago that uh, I mean it was just sparsely attended and got to talk to George
3: Takei for a good long while, whereas you yeah. didn't get close to him today. Yeah, I've had that with a couple of creators, but I also met uh, John Delancey that way. Mm-hmm.
1: And he was just at a convention, kind of at a table by himself. Yeah. So, Aaron, is this when George Takei invited you to Taco Bell? No, he invited me to Red Lobster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there, there was a group of us, and he said, uh, "He said, you know, he, he was doing his uh, bit about uh, Viger. Oh, I love Viger. Was so erotic. You all those throbbing orifices. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah." Uh. And <laughs> is so after, count? <laughs> oh
0: my, uh, uh,
2: uh. <laughs> And uh, he uh, <laughs> we got to the end of his panel and he says, well, you know, there's only, you know, 10 of us here. And let's go to lunch. There's a red lobster across the street. And so my buddy says, let's go to red lobster. I'm like, eh, I don't care for red lobster. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can go with George Decay. Eh, I don't feel like
1: fish today. <laughs> eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story. You're gonna regret that when 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 my, we have my, the, when we uh, when we have the episode of in memory of George Decay. Right, Takai, right. You're gonna be like shit. My buddy have Phil. Gone to Red still,
2: my buddy Phil still gives me shit about that. We could have had lunch with George Decay, but no, you wouldn't go to Red
1: Lobster. Let me tell you, your buddy <laughs> Phil, something. Huh. If this was a story about your buddy Paul, I would huh. have been like, all right, Aaron Deuces, I'll see you after lunch with George Decay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how that would have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Richard Hatch, um, you know, unfortunately passed away due to cancer this week, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a bummer. Um, but you know, I like I said, well, I got, I'm glad I got to meet the guy. I understand that
2: uh, Battlestar Galactica the the first series does not rock a lot of people's socks. But you got to remember, there was nothing back then, and that was following right on the heels of uh, Star Wars. And you had Richard Dykstra doing the special effects. It was the first time you had movie-quality special effects on a weekly television show. And that was huge. And while the stories were not altogether very good, there were some standout episodes. And so I really appreciate the effort that they made in that first series.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I would have seen it when I was younger, further back, you know, closer to time, I probably would have enjoyed it. The problem is I went back and tried to watch it after watching the current model the current modern sure. Battlestar Galactica, and it
1: just didn't hold up. Sure. No, I, it has not. It has not aged well at all. <laughs> I, I was totally waiting for Wayne to make an age joke, but he didn't. So, Wayne, good on you.
3: Yeah, no, I respect sci-fi that came before us.
1: <laughs> if Wayne respects anything that comes before him. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> reverse.
3: Reverse. <laughs> That's why I like your Bob Paul.
1: (laughs) Oh, damn. Uh, I set myself up. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I did. So, big news um, announced this week via ABC News, because they're owned by Disney and so is Marvel, that the next big Marvel crossover is going to be Secret Empire. Um, what is that? So we talked a little bit about last week about Captain America and the politics and comic stores and things like that. So this is the culmination of everything they've been building up to in the Captain America book. Um, how when Captain America was reborn uh, a couple years back. Found Jesus? No. Uh, so he was brought back by a cosmic cube. And um, what was unknown at the time is that the when Kobik brought Captain America back using the cosmic cube. He was influenced by Red Skull to restore restore Captain America but changing the history so that he was actually a secret Hydra operative um the entire time. So that's, you know, when when it was big controversy I think about a year ago, Captain America was an agent of Hydra. It was because when he was brought back the uh, the cosmic cube changed his history. Um so that's the story they've been built. This is the story they've been building up to since Nick Spencer took over writing on Captain America. And it all come to a big culmination in the pages of Secret Empire later this year. Um, also written by Nick Spencer, featuring uh, a rotating artist team. Uh, I think it is Steve McNiven um, is is the artist on the first book. And I uh, the other artists are Andrea Sorrentino, Daniel Acuna, and Leno Francis Yu um oh, our that's, cover that's, art that's by mark brooks yeah i yeah, gotta tell you Aaron, i'm actually kind of, i know i'm i know i've been out of marvel proper for a little while but i'm actually think i'm gonna pick this story up I, i'm, I'm kind of interested in it and so one of the oh, reasons cool. i'm excited in it is they say it's <laughs> excuse me this is the plan that captain america has been you know do, working on this whole time and it's the worst day in the marvel universe there are three huge incidents that happen um And, you know, it'll take everyone in the Marvel Universe to take on Captain America. And at the end of this, um, Marvel has decided, you know what, we need to go back to basics, get away from heroes fighting heroes. Basically, they're going to do a DC rebirth and, um, you know, kind of go back to some of the classical um, viewpoints or I should say uh, the core concepts of some of their characters. And uh, one of the and given that the story involves a cosmic cube, I wouldn't doubt we might see some continuity correction going on maybe a re i don't know that's just speculation <laughs> um but i don't know i i think i'm, I'm genuinely interested in this storyline even though i haven't been reading captain america with a creative team like that i, I, I at least got to try the first issue you know paul you're charming uh i uh you, you're you're that you're that girl
2: who's just you know, I know I'm. I have been. I have been. You know, brokenhearted and brokenhearted and brokenhearted time after time. But by God, I'm ready to love again. That's Paul. That is me. He's willing to take. He's willing to take a chance on love. He's, he's <laughs> ready for love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I I just think that's sweet, Paul. I'm looking for you love in all the wrong places. You poor, yeah. deluded bastard.
0: I look forward to the pain in your voice soon. <laughs> we yeah. I don't know why he doesn't call. <laughs> I don't know why this Marvel crossover is terrible.
3: Those are going to be
1: some good reviews that none of the rest of us will have read the book. <laughs> True fact. So I will be picking up Secret Empire. Um, and it sounds like well, I'm the only one. <laughs> Another
2: bit of news from the House of the Mouse is uh, uh, Avengers Infinity War started shooting uh, last week or week before last. They just released the news this week, though. Uh, Yeah. Did you guys watch the promo reel? I did. Yes. With uh, with Iron Man and Spider-Man and uh, Star-Lord. Thank
1: you. Sorry, who's the third guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, I thought that was pretty cool. I yeah, thought that was pretty cool. So, that, I you know, that I, was Marvel's way of saying, hey, guess what? We're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron and Avengers and Spider-Man all in the same movie, which we already knew. But seeing them together talking okay, about cool. the movie was awesome. Well, and I don't understand.
2: Robert Downey Jr. says, well, we'll be lensing this, uh, you know, for the next little while. Uh is lensing the new term instead of
1: filming? I think that's is, Robert is Downey that, Jr. being Robert Downey Jr. Okay, I was <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand your term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says they're going to be filming over the next year, which yeah, it's kind of a long time. I thought it was. Um, I mean, he may be including post production and all that because I thought it was originally well, two movies, but now it's just one. Oh, really? It's not two movies anymore. I thought I read that.
2: Maybe I'm I wrong. thought it was still two movies. I thought it was still two. And so I assumed that they were shooting both back to oh, back. They
1: may be. They, they may be. Um, but I will say, Tim, they showed some concept art and it shows Rocket Raccoon next to Thor kicking ass. Uh,
0: that
1: Of course, it's lady. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I, you know, Infinity War, I believe, comes out next year. Um 2018. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's I think it's the big summer release for them in 2018.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to rearrange this outline, Aaron, because we're already oh, talking. Jesus. To, I know. God damn it. Sweet, fancy Moses. Paul. But we don't talk about Marvel the rest of the show. So it might as well talk about some Marvel here. We had a plan. Uh, we, well, what? you know, damn. I had a plan just like Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about the unworthy thor that came out this week written by jason aaron art by olivier copiel fraser irving esad Ribic, and russell Dodderman, um featuring uh war of the unworthy so this is the fourth part in thor we, we've, we haven't talked about this issue since issue one so let me just get you guys caught up thor has been kidnapped by the collector in order to um pick up mjolnir from the Ultimate Universe Thor, um, you know it has been discovered by the collector. The Ultimate Universe Thor, I believe, doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, you know, but the collector can't pick up the hammer, um, and so he he has he has gotten our Thor, Thor Odinson, to to um, lift the the unworthy Thor, the unworthy Thor, to lift the hammer for him. And uh, kidnapped alongside him is Beta Ray Bill. And meanwhile, there is also a third party at play. Uh, Thanos' Black Order um, is trying to get their hands on the same hammer. So it, it, this is all building up to this big conflict between all three parties. And, um, it, on, and so this issue features that, basically. <laughs> um, and so, Aaron, you know, we, we hadn't talked about it since issue one. Uh, I, I, I hadn't read anything since issue one either. So um, since Beta Ray Bill was ready to hand over his hammer to Thor at the, on, on the final page of issue one. Um, so what did you think of Unworthy Thor number four? So
2: the reason why we hadn't talked about, uh, Unworthy Thor since the first issue is I hadn't read, uh, issues two or three and, and four came out this week. Uh, so I read all three back to back and I got to tell you, this book is amazing. Uh, it is, it is telling some deep backstory on Thor. It's kind of, you know, uh, Thor, the untold origin, uh, so that's kind of nice, talking about how he became worthy for his hammer, his original hammer, uh, and then talking about – why I thought one of the concepts that was really interesting, Paul, was how every morning when he wakes up, he has that moment is will I be worthy to pick up the hammer today? Uh, and it's it's this great scene between he and Jane Foster back when he and Jane Foster were dating. mm mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, this is one of those kind of things that I love, particularly in Marvel comics, when characters are just sitting around talking. It's one of those things I love about Bendis books, right? Mm-hmm. Is when characters are just talking their character moments. It's not just exposition. It's not just, well, you know, we got to go, we got to go do this, 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 and this, and it isn't it great that happened? No, they're talking about their feelings. They're talking about their burdens, that kind of thing. And I just thought it was a fantastic moment over a couple of pages. Um, I love, there is so much to love about this book. Uh, there's so much to love about this book that you don't even need Thanos in it, right? No, but I it mean, has Thanos, Thanos in it, which brings the love yeah. for me, even Overdrive. Absolutely. Absolutely. It just felt like an additional dollop of mustard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, we've got this great sandwich right here. A little bit more mustard makes it even better. But, I, you know, I, I love, sometimes the collector is depicted as kind of a pansy. You know, he's 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 not he's an elder of the universe, but he just doesn't seem like there's much about him. It just seems like Spider-Man could kick his ass. Right. Yeah. Uh, And he is depicted as a true elder of the universe in this book. And I love that. I love particularly his, you know, every time you kind of get a glimpse of his menagerie. Uh, you know, you, you see how large his collection is. And I think those of us in a nerddom can understand that because I think most of us have, you know, overburdened bookshelves of all of our crap that we collect. Uh, so I kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, affiliate myself with the collector. In fact, you know, I keep looking at things that are happening on the page going, hey,
1: guys, guys, take it outside. You're going to mess up the collection. I get that. He's a a hoarder is what you're saying. (laughs) Oh, we forgot the most important character that appeared in this book. Yeah. And I kind of love him. I kind of love him. So, Uh, Tim, from the Kieran Gillen Journey into Mystery, Loki's dog, Thori, is in this book as well. The the hellhound. The hellhound.
2: (laughs) I am going to murder you so much. murder, murder. Murder. (laughs)
1: Tim, this book is this book is total, totally a
2: Tim book. It absolutely it really is. There are so many wonderful pages of Thor riding into battle on his giant goat. Uh, I just I just I'm I'm gleeful about it. And the artwork is stunningly beautiful. Oh yeah, just stunningly beautiful. I mean, even with the, the in issue four where there's a bunch of different artists working on it. Each one of them is selected for a piece of the story. So you're having flashes back to very young Thor, to the worthy Thor, uh, you know, different places in his history. And it's they're just great images. And what I find amazing about this story, Paul, is it's all built off that craptastic crossover original sin. Yeah. And that one moment where, you know, he gets that whisper in his ear and we don't still don't know what that whisper is, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's when he became unworthy. And I mean, how long ago was original sin? Three years ago? Something like that. And they're still they're still playing this off, and they still haven't tipped their their hand as to what the whisper is. And I just I, I'm amazed, and I know Jason Aaron wrote Original Sin, so I get it.
1: No, he didn't. It was you know? an affraction. Oh,
2: you're no, I think Jason Aaron did original sin. Mad fraction Action did
1: uh, Fear itself. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I, I don't remember. I, I don't know because I didn't read Original Sin. So. Yeah, yeah. And there were things I liked about Original Sin, but it just it
2: wasn't as good as this book is. And that's what I find amazing is that he took that kernel that he planted, right? Yeah. And and made it into this wonderful thing. Somebody should look up Original Sin. Maybe it was Bendis who wrote. No, you're right. It was but, Jason uh,
1: Aaron. I'm looking at it. Was now, it? Actually. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Good deal. Um, I just, I'm amazed at how strong this book is. And I love how independent of the current Marvel continuity it is. Because I'm not reading hardly anything else in the Marvel universe that's not uh, uh, a licensed property. Uh, and, and this book is just fantastic and i cannot you know he has tried to pick up that new hammer the hammer from the ultimate universe and the thing that i find so interesting about it is i always equated the the ultimate universe thor as weaker than our thor um, and for some reason that hammer has become more powerful than the hammer in the 616 yeah I, I, so I'm interested by that. I mean, has it has it distilled all the power of the Norse gods from the Ultimate Universe? Maybe that's why it's so powerful.
1: Um, well, maybe because I, it's fascinated. the only other Mjolnir in existence. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, in the letters page, it shows Thor holding this this hammer, the Ultimate Universe hammer, um, fighting Thanos on the in the letters page, the cover of issue number five. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god. This is everything yeah. I want in the Thor book. <laughs> well, I, and I, I, what I what I hope, you
2: know, I, I suspect we'll get to a point because he hasn't been able to pick up this hammer yet. He hasn't been able – he keeps getting fought back from going to touch it because the yeah. collector doesn't want him to take it. The collector wants this hammer for himself um, because apparently it's so powerful. I hope we get to see him with it for a while before they reset because yeah. now they're getting to a place with this Thor
1: that I'm particularly interested in. I agree. So and... I, I – yeah, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I was going to say, if you've been out of Thor, Tim, for a while now, this this is this is your Thor. I mean, this is absolutely your Thor. He's just angrier. <laughs> I, I do I do like how angry he was, and was shocked when he cut his hair. <laughs> I mean, that, it's funny how, how
2: shocking that was. What are you doing, dude?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But thanks, though. Aww. It's really good.
2: It is super good. We tried. It's packed with thunder. And I, I, you know, there, I, Beta Ray Bill is drawn exquisitely in this book. Oh, yeah. And just him standing in front of Thor's uh, cell after he has uh, busted him out and says, Are you ready to bring the thunder? I'm like, yes! <laughs>
1: <laughs> bring it! I, yeah, I, this, this book scratches me right where I itch. It is so good. So, now we can move over to the DC section of the show. <laughs> I just figured like we're talking Marvel might as well keep it in the Marvel uh, family but now in DC um, in movie news Justice League Dark came out on Blu-ray this week the new DC Universe original animated movie um, and you know it features Batman, Etrigan, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, Deadman, and Constantine teaming up to take on a mystical foe in the uh, DC animated universe now as a as a warning it does take place in the same DC New 52 universe that was established a couple years back in Justice League War that hasn't had a single good movie since other than the Batman yeah. movies. And, and and that is why I didn't pick it up this week, Paul. And I will That's tell exactly. you. It's fucking good. <laughs> it's is it really? Actually, surprisingly good. I saw a preview for it, and there was
2: a face in a in a tornado or, you know, a uh, twister or whatnot. I'm like,
1: nah, I don't know about this. Yeah, that part was a little <laughs> cheesy. I will say that the, yeah. the face in the tornado, I'm like, uh, I don't know if you got what you were going for there. I think they were going for like the mummy, you know, yeah. like where they had the face in the tornado and the mummy. And it, in animation, right. it just looks kind of silly. Um, but I will say, that so this film is, you know, it's called Justice League Dark, but it's, it's primarily Batman, Zatanna, and Constantine. Um, and so if you've enjoyed the Batman properties, which they, the Batman movies have been, have been good. There is no Batman movie this year. So even though this is called Justice League Dark, the Justice League themselves have a very small part in it, you know, basically cameos. Um, you know, this is all about Batman teaming up with Constantine and Zatanna, um, to, to, to take on this mystical foe. And along the way they pull in Swamp Thing and Etrigan and Deadman, um, and it's it's surprisingly good um and 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 it's rated R, which is kind of interesting. Any um, interesting voice casting in this? So Matt Ryan, who played Constantine on television, actually plays Constantine in the movie. Oh, that's great. that's great. um some other some other voices sounded familiar, um, but you know no, no one that like no one super famous. Um, right. I will say they had a preview for uh, Teen Titans the Judas contract. Which features Christina Ricci as Tara, and I thought that was was, yeah. I I thought that was kind of a big casting thing for them. That is, that's kind
3: of cool. I I want that to be good so bad.
1: I will say that is one of my favorite Titan stories. Now, I do want that's another precaution. I will say is that that also takes place in this timeline. So in this, it, it is not a straight adaptation. It is kind of, um, you know, it's it's taking that story and including characters who are in the Teen Titans that are in the story now. So you've got Damian Wayne is in it. You know, you've got Nightwing, but he's already Nightwing. Um, You know, you've got uh, Beast Boy and some of those other characters. Well, Beast Boy was in the original Judas Contract, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's got um, Blue Beetles, some characters that were not in the original Judas Contract. But I think it takes the core concept of that story and and brings it into this um, this modern time frame. But, you mean and, a mature, grown man having sex with a teenager? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, as long as they keep that. Yeah. yeah, But, I mean, that looks actually pretty good, too. And the fact that they got Christina Ricci, I was like, you know what? that That's actually, and, you know, they, they show character. Summer for voice. Um, or I, I should say they, they play Summer for voice. They show her doing some voice work. <laughs> they showed some of her voice. They show her doing voice work. And uh, she she seems to be doing a really good job with it. Cool. Um, you know, I like what I saw. So, um, you know, I, I actually Justice League Dark. It was only seventeen bucks, which uh, you know, for it was you know, sometimes these movies when they come out they're twenty twenty five bucks. It was seventeen right. bucks on Blu Ray um, at Target, so I picked it up. <clears throat> and I'll uh, pick it up. I, I really it, enjoyed it.
2: I, I was waiting. I was waiting for somebody. To see it first, because I, I got to tell you that that one image really bothered me with the twister.
1: Yeah. in the face. And it will twister. in the movie, it too. Looked, I will say it will yeah. in the movie, too. Um, it looked a little Hanna-Barbera to me. Yeah. But if you are <laughs> you a know? fan of Swamp Thing, they have a 20 minute documentary about Swamp Thing as well. Oh, really? Um, now, it's weird. so a reason to buy the Blu-ray versus uh, just streaming it. So, yeah, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's primarily Len Wein and Kelly Jones. And Mike Carlin talking about mm. Swamp Thing. Um, you know, they, they, they talk a lot about Bernie Wrightson in the past yeah. tense, but Bernie Wrightson is still alive. I guess he just didn't <laughs> want to participate in the documentary. Yeah. Um, but definitely recommend it.
2: Cool. Well, Paul, I, uh, it's not on the outline, but I uh, god damn it, watched a, I watched a movie this week that came out last year, but I didn't get to see it in the theater, and that's Arrival. Have you seen that?
1: I have, actually.
2: Um, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but I dug the hell out of that movie.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: From everything I've heard, it's supposed to be incredible, and everyone that's seen it particularly says that I would love it.
2: What I like about it is it is very much a film in the spirit of contact, you know, the Carl Sagan novel that was made in a film – to a film by Jodie Foster uh, or with Jodie Foster. Um, It is about communicating with aliens, and I got to tell you, I – Dug that movie, and I loved the end of it. I I I, I was stunned at how much I enjoyed that film. So uh, it, I I got it. I I uh, got a digital download of it, and it was so good.
1: Yeah, the arrival is or arrival. I don't even think it's called the arrival. I think it's just called arrival. Um, it's it's it is really good. Solid acting. Um, you know, really good acting from uh, Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams and everyone involved. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, it's funny because I took my parents to see it, and they hated it. <laughs> I, I think I think you know it, it's certainly not a story. It's I don't want to give away anything for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I will say it is a bittersweet story that it doesn't spoon feed you what's going it is on ver- either. It it is rather
2: melancholy. Yes, um, I, I, I I I absolutely agree with that. But it, there is a sweetness to it, and I, and I find the ending extremely satisfying. Yes, uh, but yeah, there is it is. An emotionally raw film uh, from the jump. I mean, you're you're from the get go. I mean, like in in the first ten minutes, you're like, oh god, (laughs) you know. But uh, it it is worth it is worth the trip. And I gotta tell you, it I didn't know that it was being produced when it came out, and I just never got a chance to get out and see it. And so when I saw that it was available to to uh, download, I was like, well, fuck, I'm gonna do that. And I, I watched it last week, and it was so good. I was so entertained.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely check it out. Um, it's directed by the guy who directed, I believe, Sicario. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if you saw that last year, but that was... I did. And I thought that was a great film, too. Damn straight. And so, and I believe... Uh, I'm, 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 I am I'm, hope I don't say this wrong, but I think he is the guy who's doing the new Blade Runner, too. Oh, really? Yeah, and the Dune. Um, the, the Dune? Dune the, the new Dune movie. I didn't know there was a new Dune movie coming out. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. So I, I just looked it up. So I, I'm not speaking out of turn. He's doing Blade <laughs> Runner 2049 and he has signed up to do to direct Dune. Huh? So, yeah, that's that's, that's sad when good
2: talent tries to do, make a Dune movie. It, it can't be done.
1: <laughs> no, It really can't. <laughs> as so. much
2: as as much as I enjoy the David Lynch attempt at Dune, it really it can't be done.
3: No. Well, it's just difficult because the material's so dry.
1: On, <laughs> you know what actually that wasn't half bad i'll give it to you Wayne. Nah, yeah 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 okay moving <laughs> well, on yes well since we're talking about directors <laughs> let's talk about matt reeves matt reeves is the director um, of cloverfield let me in dawn of the planet of the apes and war of the planet of the apes and perhaps the director of the upcoming the batman um since Ben Affleck has stepped down from the director role um apparently Matt Reeves is the top contender to take over directing for uh, the Batman and uh if you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes or is it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes Dawn of the Planet of the Dawn. Apes uh you know that he is a damn good director yeah War hasn't come out yet no War's the next one that's right yeah. but Dawn was awesome Dawn was great so i think he'd be a good choice for uh for directing the Batman i agree i I'd be interested in seeing that, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they,
2: if if not him, they get somebody else who's good.
1: Yeah. You
2: no, know, maybe Ben Affleck. Oh, no. He he said no. He said no. He said F you. But, ma- but maybe, maybe they could, they could do Ben Affleck. Oh, well, maybe. Or, or maybe Casey, maybe Casey Affleck
1: could do it. <laughs> maybe Ben Affleck just needs to step down from playing Batman and just Casey Affleck can.
0: <laughs> oh, <you> sh- oh <laughs> shut up.
1: <laughs> Casey Affleck might be winning an Academy Award. You never know. That's right. That's right. Manchester Man- by the Sea. You could I, Bat- don't. I, I don't. I don't need an Academy Award, my Batman. I yeah. mean, but you don't want Batman it's to Bat- walk up and. Oh no, that was Matt Damon. So forget my no, no, joke. It's, it's
3: <laughs> Batman. Manchester
1: Cheryl. by the Sea. Batman. Chester by the Sea. Manchester <laughs> by uh, the uh. Sea. I'm gonna be laughing about that one all day. but you know what's not gonna make me laugh aaron Uh oh any episode of that powerless tv show
2: you know it looked terrible it was i didn't watch it i didn't even set my dvr for it it wasn't even something i said yeah i'll bank this on the dvr and watch it when i've got the flu no no (laughs) i i passed that one on by but please tell me paul why it was so terrible
1: So, well, we'll see if Wayne has a differing opinion, but Powerless is the new series set in the DC universe, um, well, in alternate DC universe, I guess. Um, So it features Wayne's security um, under the direction of Van Wayne, cousin to Bruce Wayne, and uh, they are charged with coming up with new innovative technologies that basically protect um, Powerless bystanders from the collateral damage of superheroes and supervillains. And... um, you know, sometimes this technology is also used by Batman, unbeknownst to them. Um, so they're basically like the R&D department for Batman. Um, it was fucking terrible. I didn't laugh once during the season premiere or the pilot. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I saw the commercial. I'm like, you know what? That looks kind of funny. And then I watched the pilot and all those same scenes that I thought were funny in the trailer, like in the in the context of the 22 minute episode were much less funny to me. <laughs> Um so, Paul, have you ever seen the TV show The IT Crowd? No. I was curious
3: what you thought of that, because this show reminded me a lot of The IT Crowd. Kind of a similar setup, except involving superheroes in the DC universe. But the same concept of, here's somebody who has no technical ability, has no idea what these people actually do, that's put in charge of them. But she's supposed to be a people person. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a mindless, stupid comedy, but it reminded me a lot of IT Crowd, which is a show I do absolutely
1: love, and I enjoyed it. Mm, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to agree to disagree here, Wayne. I really That's didn't like it. That's not surprising. Yeah, I, I no. really, really didn't like it. And here's the thing: I, I mean, like it was, Vanessa. I'll give you, I like Vanessa it, Hudgens because she's hot. Um, I like Adam Alan Tudyk. For different reasons. Yeah. I like Danny Pewdie. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just uh, I just could not get into this show. Yeah.
3: I thought they all did good in their roles. But yeah, it is it is a mindless comedy. But I found it funny. So I plan on giving another episode or two. It's not a great show. Don't get me wrong. It's completely mindless comedy. But I thought it was funny and I enjoyed it. So that's all I really look for out of a mindless comedy. It's ridiculously campy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, and here's the thing, I knew all those things going into it. I knew it'd be stupid fun, I knew it'd be mindless, I knew it'd be campy, and I didn't like it anyway. But, hey, I'm curious to hear what our listeners thought of it, so if you have uh, thoughts on Powerless, let us know in the uh, the comments or, uh, you know, on social media. I'll say there's no way this show gets more than a season. I'd be surprised if this show lasts the season. Apparently the ratings on the second episode were, were significantly worse than the first, so... Oh, the second episode. I've only seen the first episode. Same here. And it's going to stay that way. (laughs) (laughs) Also in the DC Universe this week, Batman number... Or excuse me. Detective Comics issue 950. That is 950. Came out this week. An oversized anniversary special. Um, featuring a lead story starring none other than Cassandra Kane Batgirl and Tim read this so did Aaron and I Tim what did you think of League of Shadows prologue um you know typically when
0: you have an oversized issue with multiple uh stories running through it y- you know usually you'll you'll hit a a mark here or there that doesn't quite fit right like you don't like this story or that story, but I got to say, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, uh, the Azriel conversation. I enjoyed the Tim Drake flashback and I, I loved everything about Cassandra Kane. So yeah, like I said, usually
1: when you're dealing with oversized issues like this, you'll, you'll run into problems, but I didn't, I didn't have a problem with anything in this book. Yeah. So I do want to mention, so the last couple of issues, have focused primarily on Batman and Batwoman. So 950 seems to like make up for all that by focusing on everyone else on the team. So you have a story about Cassandra Cain that also features a a character moment for Clayface. You have a story that features Azriel and um, Batwing. And then you have a story featuring Tim Drake and and Batman, just a short like backup story. Mm
0: -hmm. And I got to say, I got a lot out of it because after reading Detective 950 and then reading JLA... Mm-hmm. um there's a there's a commonality thread there that I thought was interesting,
1: yeah, very true. so uh,
0: I, I I enjoyed that part too, because heaven forbid they should actually have some continuity, so
1: very cool i I, I enjoyed this book what did what, what, what did you think? I thought it was great. um you know I me I'm a Cassandra Kane fan, always have been um and I, I though i I don't necessarily love everything they've done to her character um in new fifty two d c rebirth continuity, just because she ha she's she's jumped back a couple of years. um I enjoyed the progression of her character and where she was right before flashpoint and now it seems like we've reversed back to where she was at the beginning of her career um and i so it, it, I basically have to rewatch that same um that same plot thread of her maturity coming through. But I, I I did enjoy the the opening sequence. I enjoyed the Azriel storyline. I, I didn't. I haven't seen him in a little while, so I I, I thought it was a bit talky. Um, his conversation with Batwing. There was a lot of exposition there. A lot of talking um, on a couple of two page spreads. Um, but it it was to to make a point. Um, and so I, I and I liked how the storyline ended on that one. And the, and the little Tim Drake thing, you know, is setting up for the, the big Batman crossover that's coming later this year from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. So I, I, I liked this book. I thought it's, it served its purpose as an anniversary issue. Aaron, what do you think? I like this book a lot. I was
2: less enthused by the Cassandra Cain story uh, and largely for the reasons that you said, Paul. You know, I've kind of seen this journey already. I also really dislike the orphan costume. I do, too. Um, I like the mask. You know, because it, it it plays homage to her original Batgirl costume. But it's the rest of it just seems so nondescript. It looks like villain of the week. It doesn't look like somebody who should be part of the Bat family. Um, and I, I really wish I, it would benefit really well from a redesign. And I'd like to see it be a little bit more in line with her Batgirl costume. Uh, I know she's not going to get to be Batgirl again, but I'd like to I'd like to see some of that carried forward. Um, I love Cassandra Kane. I always have, uh, you know, uh, since they introduced her back in the old universe. Um, I think she's a, she's a brilliant character. And I, and I love the dynamic between her and Batman. But I felt this was a lot more uh, emo uh, than I cared for. I mean, I, I appreciate her struggle, and I, but it was just. The, the, I thought it was cool her dancing in secret behind the ballerina, right? Mm-hmm. But it stayed too much in that moment th- throughout. I, I really wanted to see. There were moments in her with her original character where you get to see her smile and enjoy something. And I understand she's mired, and they were trying to build on. It's ever since you know Tim died, you know, because everybody thinks that Tim is dead. You know that this has happened because you know uh, spoiler left the group, and you know this happened and that happened. Monsters crushed the city, and so she's really internalizing all that. I just it was a. A, they, they were setting the table for, for Cassandra Cain, and it just – it was much longer, I think, than it needed to be to do what they, what they did. And so because it was longer, we spent more time in that, in that emotional beat than I really wanted to be in. Uh, but that said, I don't – I have never liked uh, Jean-Paul, uh, Azrael. Never liked him, and I loved him here. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he just had a coherent conversation with Batwing, and the artwork is amazing in that story. Yeah. Um, drawn by Alvaro Martinez. Yes. Uh, the I, I cannot get over – how stunning those pages are very much in in the tradition of Olivier Copiel. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought those pages were just amazing. I'm like, you know, if you could draw Azrael like this every week and uh, have him be so coherent, I would totally be down for this. And, you know, you said it was a bit talky, and I agree. There, there's a lot of discussion going on, but it talks about – how Azrael works and it looks like it's setting up for for a really uh interesting story but i love how i like the the interconnection of his faith in what he does
1: um i, I think that's a nice narrative and it's not something you see every day in comics so i enjoyed the hell hell out of that and before and you move, move on to the, on the end- third story i do want to make a yeah. point that you said in regards to Azrael. Azrael picks up at a at a much later point in his journey in the New 52, to, to on the flip side of what we said about Cassandra Cain, right? Cassandra yeah, Cain has, right. has gone back in time, whereas Azrael has gone forward in time to where his journey has taken him now. And he's 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 sane. Like you said, he can have a coherent conversation, intelligent conversation. Right. Um, so it's, it's interesting that they took that route with his character and a different route with hers. But I guess it was probably yeah. differentiation between her and the other female Bat characters.
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of what happened in the new 52 is that they they wanted to strip away a lot of the continuity and just play the hits. Yeah. but without the continuity, you don't get the hits. And yeah. I think that's what they, what they recently figured out. Um, but the the Tim Drake story, I thought, was spot on. Uh, uh-huh. and the artwork, again, was amazing. I, 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 love, I love how Tim is portrayed in the new 52. Uh, I, I, think that he, he is very much the Tim that we know and love. And I love, I, I just love how smart he is and that he's allowed to be smart. You know, it's not that Batman can be the only guy smart in the Batcave; There can be other smart guys.
1: Agreed. So,
2: so anyway, I thought, I thought overall this book was good. I thought the Cassandra's Kane story was the weakest part, uh, but it wasn't awful. Uh, and it, it, I just felt like it ran a little long given how, uh, one beat that story had um but other than that i thought this was a great book and it looks like we're setting up for something big because you know what guys
1: dark days are coming dun 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 (laughs) (laughs) and so another book that's nearing an anniversary issue is action comics with issue 973 we're two away from 975 um You know, and so this is the first part of Mild Mannered, which, for fuck's sake, better get to the bottom of this doppelganger Clark Kent, because I'm ready for the story to end. Um, So, written by Dan Jurgens with art by Patch Zercher and Steven Segovia. Tim, you said you had some words. Hey, you know what? The secret identity of Clark Kent,
0: the thing on the cover. Yeah, we don't really get to that yet. No. That's that's great. I'm really glad they built up that we were going to learn it in this issue. And as Paul points out, I'm a moron because if I had seen the numbering, I would have known that they weren't going to reveal it for two more issues. So yeah. I'm upset for no reason, really. I should I should have known.
3: Yeah, because we learned nothing in this book other than that this Clark Kent is an utter idiot. And a creeper. Yes. Ugh. I don't like this character. I haven't liked
1: him since he's shown up. And the more we see of him, the more I dislike him. Well, I think that's the point. But at the same time, I'm I'm, so 974 and 975 are mild mannered. And then the next um, the next month, we're going to get into that Superman Reborn uh, crossover between Superman and um, Action Comics. So hopefully this will happen and we'll get some. Va- some validation to our concerns in the next issue. Um in 974 will finally finally resolve who the hell this Clark Kent is because I I am genuinely ready for this storyline to end. I was ready for this book to end. Uh
2: I thought this issue was terrible. <laughs> I I did. I just Dan Jurgens is one of my favorite guys. I love his writing, but this none of this rang true to me. Uh, the the way bat the way Superman was talking to Steel, you know about Lana Lang, because you know uh, Superwoman shows up there at the uh, at uh, Superman's new Fortress of Solitude, and. I just I didn't like the way any of the characters were interacting. I the creeper aspect of this other Clark Kent bugs the hell out of me, and the the very forced way in which, uh, you know the guy comes in. Uh, what's his name, Steve? What the hell's Trevor. that guy's name? No, yeah, no. Steve <laughs> <No. Wrong. laughs> no. Lombardi. Lombardi. Steve Lombardi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Comes in on on his you know his little you know. Uh, uh, Board with with his with with his with his helmet on and you know proclaiming how glorious you know Lois Lane is and then his little hoverboard blows up on him. I just it, everything seems so forced and unnatural in this book and I just I hated everything about it. I couldn't get through this book fast enough because it was so terrible. That
0: was and the, the only... weirdest scene too. Is like who is this random like special person in the in the Daily Planet? Not dressed as anybody. Just he looks like a pizza delivery man.
2: <laughs> you know he's the, he's the sports writer, and you know he's always been a part of the planet, and
3: always had a thing for Lois Lane. Yep, but and I he's just... always been a jerk, a misogynist. Basically, he's the character you're supposed to hate. Right, well,
2: understand. but but it was nails on a chalkboard. I mean, not just as I get it as nails on a chalkboard for Lois, but nails on a chalkboard for me. Uh, I just, uh, boy, I hated it. And, and he was on. He, he had he ate up two pages in this book. Yeah, two pages that they could have been saying, "Hey, this new Clark Kent, Clint, new Clark Kent guy is plague. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, uh, I, I just, oh shit, I hated this book.
3: <laughs> you know, Aaron, that actually would be a really cool reveal for who he is. That uh, that I would be happy with if he were like the pl- pre-Flashpoint Mister Pitalic. Uh-huh. Screwing with the pre-flashpoint Superman, uh-huh. that that could actually be fun. That won't be what it is, but that would be
2: fun. Well, and I'm, you know, we get this other Hank Henshaw, you know, a, a, on the last page, and I I have a hard time getting excited about Hank Henshaw. I know he's, you know, he is a he is prominent in the Supergirl TV show, but you know, my Hank Henshaw is cyborg, and if you're not gonna have Hank Henshaw show up as as Superman cyborg. Fuck you! <laughs> I don't want him on the page.
3: In the uh, Supergirl TV show, he does show up as Cyborg Superman.
2: Yeah, and and it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> every every time I'm watching the Martian Manhunter go, it's Cyborg Superman. It is the most ridiculous words coming out of his mouth. I,
3: I will cannot, give you, Yeah, I will give you that it,
2: comic page to TV show. It's Cyborg Superman. Oh, my God.
1: <sighs>
2: OK, I'm done hating on this. I, You know, Dan Jurgens has brought me a, a lot of wonderful stories in the past. I'll give him his, his one bad egg. But you only get one, Dan. You only get
1: one. Don't waste it. You're on notice. That's all I'm saying so tim you mentioned that in that there was a a little bit of continuity between detective comics number 950 and justice league of america rebirth number one that came out this week also Mm -hmm. um so this is a, a coming out of the pages of that terrible justice league versus suicide um crossover uh this is written by uh steve orlando with art by ivan reese and joe prado um what did you well let, let's start with uh let's start with Tim again. Tim, Justice League of America Rebirth. What'd you think? Well let's start with the art. I love the art on this book. The, yeah, art, the, art, was the art was pretty fantastic. bad. Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Um
2: no, it was by Ivan Ivan Rice. So uh yeah. you know,
0: we're a big fan of him. Yeah, no, um like I said, I love the uh, the commonality thread of B- Batman putting together another team. And like I said, they, Red Robin calls him out on that. Like you're doing all these things to, to set yourself up to have even more of an information center and a, you know, fast response unit, basically, in this book. Like, why are you doing this? Um, no, I I enjoyed it. It's your typical get the band together story. So there wasn't anything flashy about it. It's just it had really good art. And I like that. I like what they're, they're setting it up for. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I have anything special to say about it, it but because you're going to get this kind of story when you're setting up a new team, basically. So it was what I would expect. So that, that's, I guess, what I would say about it. I didn't dislike it, and I th- like it, uh, but I, I need more. I guess is what I want to say.
1: Okay. Will you be picking up uh, Justice League of America number one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to. All right. As long as as long as the art team is the same, I I don't know, but I'm sure it is. I don't believe it is. Oh. I, d- I don't believe it is. I, I I don't
2: I don't think Ivan Rice is on the on the new book. I don't have anything in front of me about that, but I seem to recall reading that elsewhere.
0: Dun, dun dun. Well, I'll, I'll at least flip through it.
2: Though. All right, Aaron, what do you think? You know, again, I, I thought the artwork was beautiful. Um, I <laughs> I read this before I read Detective. And so I I didn't pick up on the continuity pieces of it until after I read Detective. But I was just like, how many secret bases does Batman need? You know, because he's setting up a a, a new base up in Happy Harbor uh, in Rhode Island because there's all kinds of supervillain nastiness that occurs in Rhode Island. (laughs) Yeah, Happy Harbor. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I get it now after having read Detective, but – you know, I I like most everybody on this team. I love Black Canary. Um, I'm less enthused about Killer Frost and Lobo, but I thought they were both depicted well in the story, and I'm intrigued enough
3: to pick up the first issue. See, the two characters that really have me sold are Killer Frost and the Ray. Yeah I'm excited about Ray, I'm excited about Black Canary, I'm excited about Vixen. I have never cared about Killer Frost before. This is the first time you know what they're doing with her now is the first time I've ever cared about the character, and I'm finding I'm really liking the character. Ray, I've always been a fan of. Yeah.
1: So, Paul, what'd you think? I thought it was fine. I mean, <clears throat> I know this is a lukewarm review, but it it was a lukewarm book. I mean, it was fine. Um, you know, it was it was it was a zero issue. I I think I I will be picking up issue one just because I like the team and I'm curious to see um, what's going to happen. But generally, I thought it was just okay. Um, I'm, but I, I am curious enough to pick up that first issue and see what I think.
2: Well, you know, you picked up some other books this week, Paul, um, that I don't think any of the rest of us picked up. So it was, why don't you run us through those and, and make your recommendations because I've got my list here of what I need to go out and shop for.
1: OK, well, my recommendation is that you don't shop for either of these books. <laughs> Um, because I picked up two books, (laughs) speaking of curiosity, um, this week, I picked up Kingpin number one from Marvel Comics. So, you know, Marvel has announced that they're kind of doing this daredevil universe of books type thing with Kingpin and, um, I think Elektra, I don't know. There's like four books in this, in this tie-in stuff. And so I decided to give Kingpin number one a shot. And so it's written by, um... Matthew Rosenberg, art by Ben Torres, neither of which I've really heard of before. Um, Ben Torres kind of has an Eduardo Riso uh, style to his art. And so this is Kingpin number one is told from the perspective of a journalist who Wilson Fisk is trying to hire to do his biography. And it's boring and shitty and absolutely a Fucking terrible book. Um, I, I really struggled to, to get through this book, and and struggled even harder to care. Um, you know, it's it's we've seen the seduction of the innocent storyline done by done with Kingpin so many times. Um, you know, and and so. At the end of the book, you see that Kingpin really is a horrible guy, and is that and that's supposed to be shocking all of a sudden. Like, no, I've pretty much got thirty years of Kingpin stories that tell me already that I, everything that I got out of this first issue. Like there is nothing new to this book. Um and I, I, I felt I felt almost insulted. Like like they 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 had this shocking this ending that they were like, Oh, this ending, that's really gonna get them to come back for issue two. Like you couldn't see it come page one um of the book. Yeah. Um so it 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 was genuinely a terrible book. Also terrible this week in in Paul's suck ass book cor- corner is John Carter the end. Uh co-written by I, oh, I looked at that pretty
2: hard, you know, cuz you know, you know me, I loves me some John Carter and I was kind of fascinated about the story premise, but those preview pages looked terrible.
1: Yeah, the art is so so terrible. Um, And in in fact, in some places, just incomprehensible. Um, And and so the the concept here, uh, so it's written by Brian, it's co-written, I should say, uh, by Brian Wood and Alex Cox, art by Hayden Sherman. And it it, it tells the story of Dejah Thoris and John Carter. Many years later, they've left Titan. They they have an unhappy marriage because their son has died. Um, And as it turns out, their son actually didn't die uh john carter sent him away uh because he his son was a murderer and he couldn't bring himself to to kill his son or so he sent him away and now his son is back and has taken over barsoom as a dictator and you know here's the thing concept wise not all that horrible but this the art is so bad i like i just I, I couldn't get into the book. There was nothing good in this art. Absolutely nothing good. You know, Dejah Thoris, I understand she's older, but she's still supposed to be beautiful. You right. know, and, and everyone just looked fat and overweight in this book Um, and, and, and scratchy. Like and Scratchy. And scratching, There's so many lines <laughs> on all these characters. Are, are you saying they need to moisturize there on Barsoom? I mean, I think everyone needs to moisturize. I think space needs to moisturize, because there's certainly a lot of lines in space. Um, it's just a terribly drawn book, and I'd, I just did, I could not get into it, so... Um, the, the only thing good about this is that it was announced on the last page that Dynamite Entertainment has announced a deal with Lionsgate to bring John Wick to comics. So, so we're going to get some John Wick comics, you know, could be interesting. Um, but this book, not interesting, uh, cannot, cannot recommend John Carter, the end number one at all, at all. I'm sorry, Paul. That's Okay. Well, hopefully next week will bring some joy to my heart because Super Sons number 1 comes out next week. Hell yeah.
3: Uh,
1: Art by Jorge Jimenez, co-written by Chris Burnham and Pete Tomasi. Yes. Give me this book. Give me all of this book. I'm very excited (laughs) about that. Also, Batwoman Rebirth number 1 comes out next week, spinning out of um, Detective Comics, like we talked about last week that... Or two weeks ago, I guess, that that they were setting up this Batwoman um, solo title, also coming out next week. From Marvel Comics, um, there is uh, the conclusion of Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy, issue 5 of 5, as well as the continuation of the Asgard-Shiar War in the pages of The Mighty Thor. Um, If you'll recall, I thought the first issue was actually pretty damn good, and so I will continue picking up that storyline alone. (laughs) um from boom studios kong of skull island volume one uh we haven't really talked about it since the first issue but i think aaron and i both enjoyed the first issue of that title um yeah and so the first trade paperback comes out next week from boom studios Uh, that seems quick yeah well i I, I, it seems quick but I, i think it's been about six seven months um seems like just yesterday paul (laughs) and from image comics we have the first issue of invincible the end of all things um issue 133 the the 12 start the 12 part mega story that will end the invincible storyline is coming out next week and it is 25 cents please be good yes please but you know for 25 cents i'll pick it up and i'll be disappointed Or, or I'll love it. And I'll be like, oh, this is good. I'm going to continue reading. And then issue 134 is going to come out. I'm going to be like, god damn it. Screwed me again. Well, you know, at, at 25 cents, I'll pick it up.
2: So, you know, I, I haven't read an Invincible in forever, so.
1: Yeah, so give it a shot. Also, um, the next issue of Walking Dead comes out, uh, you know, continuing the story from that 25 cent issue. Cool. Very exciting. That's Very what, what exciting. we'll talk about next week on Funny Books. Also, we'll talk about what everyone did for Valentine's Day. All the sexy talk. (laughs) Very exciting indeed. All right, gentlemen. Well, you have a wonderful weekend. You too. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Bye, everybody.
2: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.